It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Hawks. Your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 310 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, and joining me for the first time in a while from across the pond, Graham Chapel. What's up, man? Howdy. Uh, it's nice to have you back, my friend. It's been too long. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Always. Uh, I figured since uh, you, you and I are on the very short list of people when it comes to paying very close attention to this Atlanta Hawks team in a uh, in a in even a granular sense, um, I thought we'd actually kind of ignore the big names on this podcast. You know, you know most of the time, uh, I do end up talking a lot about Dennis Schroeder and John Collins and Torian Prince, and those guys uh, are all definitely worth of a lot of attention. Um, with that said, we should focus on the other guys. At least at some point, this is a podcast that uh, has a lot of diehard listeners, so I thought it'd be good to sort of go through the guys that we don't always talk about a ton here and sort of the more role player aspect. So I've sort of divided this thing into a couple of tiers and things to talk about. The first thing I want to hit on is all of the guys who uh, always come up in trade discussions because they're all on these expiring contracts, and that's uh, you know Ursula Ivasova, Luke Babbitt, and Marco Bellinelli especially. And then you have the other kind of guys with Dwayne Dedman and Mike Muscala. Those guys are more difficult to talk about right now because they're injured. But uh, let's talk about the guys, the other three at least. Um, so Ilyasova is probably the biggest name here. He's also the best player, in my opinion, of these three guys. But what have you seen from him lately? I know he's been much better after sort of a slow start. He just looks healthy, you know. He's he's finally got back. He seems to be in a, a decent place, and he's just, yeah, like he's been been shooting it really well. He's, he's arguably been probably one of the better players in just in general, like for uh, the entire team over the last the last few games. I think he's averaging the most points in the last five. You know, it's seventeen. He should the three ball is going down. It wasn't. It was kind of going down at a kind of not kind of sustainable uh, rate for a little bit there because he, he shot didn't he shoot like five of five or six or six recently yeah, there, there was a game where he was he was perfect from the floor and that was uh, not sustainable i don't think <laughs> but uh still shooting 48 in the last five i mean he's 
he's arguably been the best player in for the whole team in the last little bit. He, you know, he does the little things that coaches love. You know, steps in and takes the charges. I think he's he's only second in uh, he's so yeah second in the league in charges drawn a game. Only Kyle Lowry uh, takes more um, per game. So, but we we kind of all knew that going in what he what he brings, but. And that's that's kind of the, the thing, isn't it? He, you just know what you get with Ilyasova, and that's that's just a, a nice feeling because you know some of these guys on the roster, either they're rookies or young players or whatever, they, you kind of you don't know what to expect. You know, am I going to get this one night from from this guy, or am I going to get this one from another? But with Ilyasova, it's kind of you kind of know what you get, and that's just <laughs> and you go through as much as a, not instability, but kind of turnover as the Hawks have done in the last little bit. You know, that's that's always nice to have. Yeah, there's some real value in that on both ends too, because you know defensively, I think he's probably uh, he's not great by any means, but like he's not bad either, and that's uh, valuable at that position when you can be a, a positive offensive player and not kill you defensively. He's one of the few guys on the roster that has a pretty reasonable net rating when he's, when he's on the floor. The Hawks are uh, only uh, minus 0.7 points per 100 when he plays, and that's basically the best of anybody that's like a full-time rotation guy. I guess Isaiah Taylor would be the other one who's in the positive. Everybody else that's in the positive is guys that don't really play. Um, so Ilya Sova really has kind of the uh, number one guy in terms of that sense. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see uh, how uh, how that goes in terms of uh, – just in general at this point in time because Ilyasova could be traded. I mean, that's sort of the backdrop here that we were talking about is that he could be available. He's one year and $6 million. And, uh, you know, we're talking about Ilyasova. He's going to be a guy who's been on a bunch of teams already in his career. He can veto any trade, which is something we should talk about because he doesn't have to accept a trade. But you think he probably would because the Hawks are so bad and maybe I mean, a, a team that would be trading for him would probably be closer to a playoff team. So I assume he would probably do that, but it has to be mentioned as well. Yeah, he'd imagine that he'd he'd give us some serious consideration because yeah, it can only you can only take so much losing for so long. You know, these guys. You, that's the one thing you forget is that these guys are competitive. They hate losing, and that's what people forget. Kind of when they talk about tanking and rebuilding and such, as these guys hate with every fiber of their body, hate losing, and you know that can that can definitely factor into something like that. Yeah, players and coaches. I mean, it's always important to know. I say this all the time, but like. You know, when Budenholzer makes a decision or a guy doesn't play well, it's like guys they they want to win. They're not the players and coaches want to win. They're really frustrated. Uh, they of course won their last game on Monday, but aside from that, I mean, obviously it's not exactly the best atmosphere in terms of wins and losses. So I'd imagine he would take a trade if it came to it. And I, I think it's uh, we're guilty of talking about these guys as trade assets sort of exclusively right now, and that makes some sense given where the Hawks are. But Elias is just a very positive basketball player who would help basically anybody. He's one of those guys where. There's very few teams in the league that couldn't use him, if that makes sense. So I think he's sort of a prime trade candidate for that reason, and he also helps the Hawks a lot. So wouldn't blow me away. I mean, if you asked me coming into this year if I thought the Hawks were going to sign him, I would have said no. But it just makes sense at the cost that he has, and if he's that, if he's uh, still on the team past the trade deadline, it wouldn't blow me away to see see him come back because I know they all like him a lot. It's definitely good. For, he's definitely just a great guy to have around. You know, for yeah. as a vet, he's been he's been all around. Uh, he's had that longevity, and he's still got the skill set that. Is so so popular at the moment that yeah, like you said, no, like what team wouldn't want someone who can shoot at his size? You know the way he can, you know, is so it's definitely something to keep an eye on. But it, yeah, it'd be great to see it. Like it's great to have him around. He's just a just a just a great guy, really, for everyone. 
Yeah, he shoot. He, he can shoot. He can rebound. He can play play a little defense. He fits in uh, with culture wise, and uh, it's just been nice to see him play well after the hiccup early on in the season. Uh, let's move on here to uh, Babbitt and Bellinelli. Very interesting pieces, uh, especially because neither one of those guys really played much on Monday. We saw mm-hmm. something of a rotation change, and we'll talk about that more with Malcolm Delaney later in the podcast. But um, I like both these guys to varying degrees. Luke Babbitt, I think, has been perennially underrated. I love that signing when they did it. Bellinelli is a little bit more polarizing. His defense. We can hit on briefly. We all know it's bad. Um, but what do you think about these guys uh, sort of uh, as players and as pieces to maybe move, all that fun stuff? Because Babbitt especially, because he's making basically the minimum, is a very interesting piece if somebody wanted to come and pick him off. Yeah, Babbitt's the one that I really like here. Is Like you say, he's got great value for the deal. I mean, he played like he's – this guy's like a 40% shooter for his – like even the least seven years now. Like you, you would have thought maybe with someone that – with that skill set, you might get more than the minimum, but you know the Hawks—they gave it to him. He took it, and yeah, he's been—he's been playing well this season. He hasn't played uh, particularly a lot recently. Like he's, in the last five games, he's only it's only 15 minutes with a <laughs> with a minus 31 net rating in that in those last five games. He's, so he's sort of in that role now that we kind of thought he was going to be in, where he's like the fifth big man, and they put they put him in when it sort of makes sense, and that's kind of what he probably should be. I think he's a quality basketball player but like when the when the whole team is healthy i mean right now especially they don't they don't they still don't have Dwayne Dedman if they had everybody available there would be nights when Babbitt wouldn't play and that wouldn't be a big deal i don't think i, I think i think it's i think it's good to play him um he's underrated defensively i find as well and even even when i've you know we watched clips of him last year for the heat like people just i think people just kind of assume that he's not a good defender and that's what i don't know what that's based on because you look at him play like he's He's like he's sound for like he's just a like he's not world beating by any means, but he's just just you know he's he can do enough defensively that you know, he can play, obviously he plays at the four and then sometimes it, you know you can get lost in matchups and and the such. But I think he's a I think he's a, just a general net for the Hawks to have because he just gives them their option as well because you know he like again like yourself you know what you're getting with Babby he's gonna he's a shooter and that's kind of about it. But he just gives them their option for a bud to kind of throw in those. Those shooting lineups where you want to spread the four for Dennis or whatever, and uh, yeah, I've, I've been really, I, I've really liked. Even though he hasn't uh, kind of done a whole lot in the last five games, I've really liked what he's what he's brought this season. Yeah, Babbitt. I mean, the shooting kind of is his calling card, but as you mentioned, like defensively, it sort of becomes that lazy thing where it's like he's always in the right place, but he actually is. Um, he's still a below average defender. We should definitely say that. Um, with that said, when you compare him to somebody like Bellinelli, who we need to talk about. Um, <laughs> You know, Babbitt's tools are not great, but he does. He kind of just knows what to do. With Bellinelli, he's very, very bad defensively. Like, we kind of knew that, but it's been worse than I thought mm-hmm. even because I thought for some reason um, that Bud could be able to hide him a little bit defensively. That has not come to fruition. And I think, I mean, I'm not trying to overreact to one game on Monday, but maybe Bud is going to look else, elsewhere a lot of these minutes because uh, if Bellinelli's not making shots, he's kind of unplayable. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, he's... Over oh, the last five games, just under 17 minutes a game, 37% from the field, like 8.6 points. I mean, <laughs> when he's not shooting well, it's kind of, it's kind of like, you know, what he's not, he's, what's he adding really? Because, nothing. <laughs> like you say, defensively is just, is not good. And when he's not shooting, you know, he's, so it's been no, so perhaps it's no surprise then that he's, he hasn't featured much in the last little bit as much as, before, because, <laughs> like you say, when that shot's not falling, there's not a lot else <laughs> going on. Yeah, I mean, there's there's an argument for gravity and just the way that he can sort of bend a defense because they, you know, for better or worse, because because he can shoot in the way he can. Defenses do cover him, and that provides some spacing. But uh, it becomes tough when he's not making shots because he is so bad defensively. Like if he was just passable, 
it would be easier. And you do you you definitely need some floor spacing in some certain lineups with the Hawks right now. Um, with that said, Bellinelli's a flawed player, we should say. Uh, I think you streaky. know, it, yeah, he's definitely streaky as well. And we we should point out, I mean. Some teams that could certainly use him. I think Zach Lowe mentioned that on a recent podcast. Like, Bellinelli could be an intriguing trade piece because, you know, you could find a team around the league that just needs some punch off the bench as a scorer. He can do that. I mean, he's a, he's always been a high-volume guy as a shooter, and he can sort of sustain some usage in a way that a lot of guys um, that with his makeup really can't because he really can kind of create off the dribble as well if you need him to. But, yeah, I mean, Bellinelli is an interesting piece. And I think if I had to pick one guy who I think the Hawks will trade, it is Bellinelli. Um, that might just be my opinion, and I'm just reading into that too much, but I think um, he's the one guy I can't see being on the team next year, if that makes sense, so he would have the most urgency to trade. Like Babbitt or Ilyasova, I can see the Hawks wanting to bring those guys back next year on a, on, on a reasonable contract. With, with Bellinelli, I just can't imagine that being a priority, and of course, the, you know, he was just a part of that trade with the Hornets. It wasn't as if they went, went out and tried to get Marco Bellinelli in the way that they did with Ilyasova and Babbitt, so I think if there's a and that, that's, that's just my opinion. I, does that sound crazy to you? What do you think about that? I know, I know we're kind of just guessing, but is that a reasonable assumption? Yeah, it's definitely reasonable. Like you say, they were. <laughs> he was just part of the deal to get rid of Dwight Howard. So you know, uh, like you, and like you say, Ilyasova and Baba were guys they they, they you know went out and got yeah. signed, even though it was a short deal. They still went and got them. And uh, yeah, just Bellinelli. I, I even forget even the Hawks bringing him back. Is does Bellinelli? Does he want to come back? Does Bellinelli want to come back? You know, again, he's a. He's a competitive guy, and if he, you know, I'm sure he'll know what's going on in the long run, and uh, I'm sure that will factor into any decision he makes. But uh, it wouldn't, yeah, it wouldn't be wild because, like you say, you can kind of unlike Baba, uh, kind of Bellinelli can do more than one thing. You know, he can create off the dribble, he can do a bit of ball handling, you know, he can <laughs> light him up when when he has a go, and that can that's definitely something that a, a playoff team or a perennial uh, or a fringe playoff team kind of should be interested in. But uh, yeah. it just yeah, it just makes sense that the two yeah, he's he's kind of there because they kind of <laughs> had to in a, in a way rather than want. Yeah, I think they could move him if they want to, and we'll see how big of a priority that is. Uh, well, Graham, before we get um, going on something else, and we will do that. Um, I know you play fantasy basketball. We're in a league together, actually, at the Peachtree Hoops uh, Fantasy Basketball League, and this is a uh, just a promotion of sorts for fantasy basketball. So here it is. Um, listen up, fantasy sports fans. Did you know that your chances of winning on the Draft app are eighty percent better than on salary cap sites? That's why Draft is my favorite fantasy basketball site. No more getting crushed by the pros, and it's just not just me. More than one million people have already downloaded the Draft app and used it in the uh, early going of the NBA season. Play in a real-life NBA draft right now. Be done under five minutes and get paid the next day. Drafts are filling every second, so you want to join one whenever you want. And all players get a free entry into a real money draft when you make your first deposit. But that's if you only use my promo code LOHAWKS. That's LOHAWKS. By playing, you can play in a real money draft for free by using that promo code, and it gets even better. Draft is so sure that you'll love it that, you'll, that they're even offering a uh, a podcast guarantee slash money back guarantee for LOHAWKS listeners, and that's up to a hundred dollars. So just search the. Draft Draft app in your app store. Go to draft.com and come play free right now with the promo code LOHawks and enjoy this fantasy basketball offer. Hi, I'm Jake from Locked On. There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but really the first words you want to say are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And trust me, as someone named Jake, that is a fact. That's the phrase that will help you feel good knowing that you have people who could help you find the right coverage for the things you want to protect. 
Insurance doesn't need to be complicated with a State Farm agent. With so many coverage options, it feels good knowing you can find what fits you because your situation is unique. And State Farm is there to help you feel supported with the coverage you need for your car, your home, and even boats, motorcycles, RVs, and other things that matter to you. And when you need ways to get help, don't yell or be angry because State Farm gives you options there too, in person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com or their award-winning app. State Farm lets you do things your way. So when you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Well, thank you, sir, for being patient through that. And uh, (laughs) here we are to talk about some point guard stuff because I teased this a little bit earlier. But Malcolm Delaney played a lot of minutes on Monday. We talked about that on today's podcast as we were recording this on Tuesday morning. Um, with that said, you know, it was a bit of a surprise to me that Bud went to Delaney um, ahead of Taylor. Taylor did play in the game on Monday, um, but Delaney had been sort of in the, not necessarily in the doghouse, but just basically just been passed by Taylor. But he, he played well Monday. What do you think about both of those guys? Because, um, you know, Taylor's on a non-guaranteed deal for this year and next year. Delaney's on actually on, on an expiring contract. I've always been higher on Delaney than everybody else seems to be. Um, but I think the Hawks have sort of figured out now that he's better off the ball. So where, where are you at with these two guys, especially uh, Delaney? Because I think Taylor's been covered a little bit more recently, because probably just because Delaney's been out of the uh, out of sight, out of minds of sorts. But both those guys are interesting pieces in some ways. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's good to see Delaney back um, in 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 some sort of rotational role. I think that's kind of partly because this this kind of these role players that we're talking about, you know, like your Bellinelli's and the such, um, even Bembry to a degree. You know, he's he's been struggling of late, and this is kind of their minutes have come down a bit and kind of Delaney's have kind of gone up because of it. Like Isaiah Taylor as well, he's kind of struggled recently. <laughs> 2.8 points per game in his last five, 16, uh, 0.7 field goal percentage, zero threes. So, and you know, so when these guys are struggling, you're going to get opportunities. So even like you say, he's been in the dog houses of sort of source, NBA doghouse for a little bit, kind of maybe getting in with a bit of garbage time, but not in the rotation. And, um, you know, he's, he's stuck professionally. He's, I loved his, yeah, I loved his uh, his excitement off the bench. You know, he's he's all, he's you know you always see him get up every now and then when the big plays happen, and he's, he's still into it. You know, and that's good. Uh, you like to see those things, even when they're not getting. You know, especially like a a pro like Delaney, who's kind of he's well traveled. He's you know he's not like a young player that's you know kind of trying to get his way in. Like he's you know he's a he's a pro's pro, and that's why I really like about it. So he comes in, he, his name is called. And anyways, he's been solid, especially defensively. You know, Bug talked about it last night, how he lo- how he's kind of liked his uh, Malcolm's defense, you know, coming off the bench. And uh, I'm, I, I, I really want them to play that Taylor-Delaney line a bit more. Because before, I think it was um, before Taylor got injured with the, uh, with, with the eye, that, that two-man lineup, kind of, or lineups that featured Delaney and Taylor with Delaney playing off-ball, they were really solid. And Delaney was playing really well. And then kind of all that rhythm just got kind of disrupted when when Taylor went down and we haven't seen it as much ever since Taylor's come back. Cause since Taylor's come back, Delaney's kind of been on the end of the bench. So uh, I'd love to see those two play together a bit more. Um, and maybe, maybe they will now going forward, but <laughs> who knows? Yeah. And that was actually uh, something that was uh, important to know. And like the numbers back it up as well. They, the Hawks had a plus of 14.2 net rating for the season when they play Delaney and Taylor. It's a pretty small sample. It's about a hundred minutes, but, those guys have worked together. It worked again 
on Monday evening. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I've always liked Delaney. I will be the first to say that. You know, as a pure point guard, I could see why people don't love that. But if you compare him with somebody, and Taylor has pretty good size as well. He's a legit 6'2", 6'3", and has some wingspan. If you guys play those guys together, it can certainly work, um, especially if Delaney's shooting the ball well. And he's shot the ball better this year. He's still not great in terms of efficiency, but up to 34% from three. That's, uh, you know, passable. I think he's probably a little bit better than that, um, you know, in the big picture. But still, that's been something to uh, keep an eye on as well. And, you know, listen, I don't think Delaney's going to be back necessarily because it's, a, it's an expiring contract. They have Taylor. They have these three draft picks. They have all this sort of flexibility. So I wouldn't necessarily assume that. But, you know, the organization likes him. I'm not sure how Schlenk feels because that was, that was a signing by the previous administration. But Bud's always liked Malcolm. And uh, maybe he'll be back. And Taylor, I mean, they have him locked up as a basically a minimum contract for this year and next year. So that's a huge value based on the way he's been playing. Um, I do want to move on to a couple of big men to talk about. Um, we talked about Tyler Cavanaugh a lot lately because he just got signed, of course. Um, but Miles Plumlee is a guy that I wanted to talk about a little bit, just as, as far <laughs> yes. as his play is concerned, because we all know he's overpaid. We all know it's a bad contract. That's not really what I want to talk about necessarily. We kind of just know that. But what is he? I mean, he's there's been some flashes where he he's looked okay. There's been some flashes where he's looked terrible. I will say that. I mean, he's you know he's dunking everything around the rim like it's. He doesn't look awful, and that's sort of a good – I mean, it's obviously not a terrible thing by any means, but kind of – do you think he's somebody that – I'm not saying you're going to build around him by any means, but like, is he playable in a, in a rotation if you had to? Uh, see, it's tough, I don't I know, know <laughs> because Deadman and Muscala are Asians. True. He he wouldn't be playing. I'm, I'm, we could probably assume he wouldn't yeah. be playing if everybody was healthy because he wasn't playing. I mean, he was hurt at the beginning of the year. Even when he was healthy, I just – you know, with Collins – Collins, Deadman, and uh, Muscala plus Ilyasova. I just don't think he would have been he'd be playing. But they've taken every advantage of these minutes to get him some playing time, get his feet under him. He looks better now than he did when he first started playing again. And you know, for better or worse, here like you don't necessarily want to have a guy for three more years making twelve and a half million dollars. That's just never ever playing. So this has actually been a good opportunity to play him. I don't love necessarily starting him and playing him a lot, but you know. I, I know why they had to do it, and he's not been as bad as some people probably thought he would be. He hasn't been awful. That's kind of been the pleasant surprise for people in many ways. <laughs> you asked what he is. He's a big man. <laughs> he's he massive, is. and he's a good. That's good because um, they don't. Hawks really like. I know Debman's around, but like a big, massive body like that to come set some screens and uh, you know listen to them. I was checking out the, the Grizzlies game there the other day and you know, I was listening to the Memphis broadcast and they really liked how kind of Ilyasova and Plumlee were, they really mentioned how they that their screens, their early offense screen setting for guys like Bazemore and Schroeder were, they were, they were quite impressed by it. And, you know, that's kind of what um, Plumlee kind of gives you. You know, you, you know what he is. He's not going <laughs> to score 15 points a game or whatever. He's, he's going to be up and down defensively. Like he's, like he's, he's long, like that, that dude's long. He's a bit led for it, but like he—he's not like he's. I don't think he's as bad as you know. Obviously, yeah, people will give him the, they they mention the contract and that's fine. It's a fairly, it's a, it's a good point and well made. But you know, on the court, like he's he's not been awful, and like that's that's not been that's been all right. Yeah, I mean, he's not a great uh, explosive like lateral athlete, but we see him when he finishes dunks. Like he's not a terrible athlete. He can get up and jump a little bit. His usage is very low. His turnover rate is extremely high, and that's. Something that he's always had a problem with is just just turning the ball over a lot. So when he has the ball, you don't you don't want to have the ball in his hands a lot. But if his entire role is to set screens, rebound, and um, basically just finish dunks around the rim, he can do that. Uh, again, like I don't think you want him as even a backup center on a good team. But given where the Hawks are, 
and to play him a little bit here. It also helps, like, the fact that he's playing, you know, the Hawks have been uh, actually better than pretty much anybody else when he's on the court. They're, they're plus 4.3 points per home possessions in his 181 minutes this year. And because of the fact that it's a lot of that starting, that's a, that's really a good starting units because he's been starting for so much of this time. Um, you know, it's not like it's not him driving that, but like he's proven that they don't that the Hawks aren't going to be awful with him on the floor just because he's on the floor. So, I think you know it's going to be a priority in the future to move off that contract if if and when the Hawks are trying to compete in the next couple of years. But for now, you know, it's it's tough to get off him. We kind of all know that. So just have him around. He seems like a decent guy. All that fun stuff. He had the he had the hiccup with the marijuana arrest uh, before the season started. But oh, yeah. <laughs> those charges got dropped apparently. So. All that to say, um, Plumlee is around. Uh, you know, nobody wants him to be there on twelve and a half million dollars a year. I think he probably knows that he's overpaid, but um, somebody paid him that money. It's not his fault. And uh, there it is. Um, quickly on Tyler Cavanaugh because I know mean, I've talked to a couple people, a couple other people about him, but I want to see where you kind of are on Cavanaugh as to like what he kind of is. We saw him with another, basically another DMP. On Monday, I don't think he's going to be playing if everybody is healthy or if anybody's healthy. We see that now with Deadman still out and Mescal still out. He's still not playing, but still, you know, it's, it's a, he's sort of the fifteenth, fourteenth man somewhere in there. Is that an okay contract? Are you okay with the Hawks signing him? Yeah, I mean, it made the most sense to to sign him to that uh, kind of where they at right. Like, and that's the thing. Like, it did. They, it's it was all about opportunity and kind of where they're at and where they're at right now. You know, his time is running up on those. Uh, those days with the, the two-way contract um, and they need that body around in case something goes wrong because De- oh, Devin's out for another little bit you know, Bud talked about it yesterday and he's getting on the right track but and like Mike Riscala we have no idea <laughs> he's a well, Bud said he was close but I mean we've heard this before and uh, <laughs> where are we 22 games later ish that was yeah I mean that was the, the I will say this about Bud saying and that Muscala um, was quote really close that was the most positive he's been. I've asked Bud a few times about Muscala. He's never given really any sort of indication of what was going to happen. So him saying really close actually sort of perked my ears up a little bit. I'm not sure what that means. That's a good point because it was very vague. At the same time, um, you know, Bud talked about Deadman in more more exact terms and saying that he'll be out for a couple of weeks at least before he can even do anything else. So he's not anyway, he's not close. Whereas no. Muscala actually could be here. Um, and you know, as you mentioned, it's definitely one of the longer, one of the longer ankle sprains you'll see. Apparently, there was a couple of complications somewhere along the way because there would almost have to be for him to not be back by this point. But I do think Muscala is a better player than Kavanaugh. Um, yeah, just that's in a vacuum. Fair. And a lot of the fan bases seem to think that Kavanaugh is better, or that this was some sort of referendum on Muscala. It was much more about the fact that Kavanaugh had played so well, and um, he was already there. He knows the system. The Hawks really value that, and uh, that roster spot. You know, they, they clearly did not love Dick Persino. So as soon as that happened, we kind of all knew it was going to be Kavanaugh. That was a pretty, uh, pretty um, public secret to say the least. So uh, mm-hmm. there, there it is on that. But I think he's he's fine. We'll see what happens in the future. It's probably going to be non guaranteed, and we'll see what happens there with Kavanaugh. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. 
J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Um, last guy I wanted to ask you about, Graham, and that is Kent Bazemore, who is the biggest name we've talked about so uh. far, um, and probably the only guy we'll talk about in terms of the more prominent players. But Baze has had some good performances recently. Um, people have started to talk about how he's been improved. Uh, I want to see if you agree with that, um, especially when compared to last year, I guess, is probably the baseline, or even two years ago, because two years ago is when he got the big contract. Um, his numbers are pretty um, scarily similar now to where they were two years ago. Um, so what do you think about Baze as an overall player at this point? Like, obviously, the contract sort of looms over that as well. He's overpaid, but is he somebody that you value as a rotation quality player? Because if he's that, then he's clearly overpaid, but it's not quite the dire situation that it is with Plumlee. Yeah, for sure. He's he's definitely a solid. Uh, he's a solid NBA player. You'll forget ugh, rotation player. Like he's just a solid NBA player who's got good skills. Uh, he's been shooting it quite well from the outside. Even though he's ah, he's struggled from the field quite a bit, but from outside he's you know, he's he's having a decent year from shooting the three, and that's always bodes well. He's done more in as a ball handler, and that's been up. That experience has been up and down. But uh, last night that was really good. It was seven assists, no turnovers. That's Dennis Schroeder be doing well to do, uh, <laughs> do that on a. I know it's not every night, but even still. Um, so I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of Bayes because he's. It's not even like it's. He gives you more than um, on the court. Like he's. I believe he's a great locker room. I could believe he's a great locker room guy. Um, a guy you'd want to have around you on your side. Uh, I just think he's, uh, he's. I think he gives a lot of uh, positive vibes as well in. Kind of when you're, 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 you know, you're in the trenches, you're there, you're going to going to battle every night. You know, he's a guy that I think you can really uh, depend on around you to kind of to be a great teammate. Uh, on, yeah, on the course, I mean, look, we all know he has his ups and downs. Um, I'd love to see him kind of piece more uh, consistent stretches together. Um, even like even Torian Prince had that has you know had that issue. I feel like he's you know he's kind of done a little bit better job than base kind of piecing these. These uh, nice performances together, and, and that's that's because we know Bazemore is capable. Like he's definitely he's capable of you know, scoring nineteen, twenty a game and shooting like three threes and getting those assists and blocks and steals. Like he can do a lot of things, and that's and these, these things are fantastic. But that's the thing was always just just to kind of piece these to, uh, performances together, string them out a bit more. Uh, just yeah, consistency is basically. It's basically the word I'm looking for. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but, uh, at, at this moment, like, he has the best PER of his career. He's at 15 flat, um, which is a league average PER. Um, he has the second best true shooting percentage of his career, only uh, second to two years ago when he had his breakout campaign. Um, this is, his assist rates is, is at a career high. All that, I mean, his still rates at a career high. Like, there's a lot of positives with Kent Bazemore right now, and he's kind of the player that, I thought he would be last year. Like I never thought he was going to suddenly take make this leap. I think a lot of Hawks fans, when he got the big money, assumed that he was going to be suddenly a different player or a better player. Um, this is always kind of what he was supposed to be. Last year he struggled struggled a lot, obviously, but um, just sort of a do everything guy who can just fill in the gaps and be a league average player. 
Um, and that's there's some really uh, there's some really good value in that. Of course, the value goes out the window in some ways when he's when he's paid as much as he is. But in terms of just purely on the floor, he's a useful piece that everybody you know I've said this before, but you know baseball would be in basically any rotation in the entire NBA on the wing. A Sands, maybe Golden State. Um, everybody else could use Kent Bazemore. And like the money is the, the money is what it is. The, the money is spent. It's a sunk cost. But like, he's suddenly become uh, or sort of bounce back, I guess, to being that player that has a lot of value. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing is, he's also like, he's also playable. That's the thing. Even though, yeah, yeah. you know, you, you, you'd like maybe that he'd learn a bit less money if you're on the outside looking in, but you know, he's, he's, he's playable. And that's, and that's the big difference between him and say a Miles Plumley, where, you know, Plumley could be out of the rotation, well, probably will be out of the rotation again when um, the guys get back and, you know, I assume Collins get more minutes the season goes on. Um, but I'd argue that what Bayes were like, like, like I was disappointed with him earlier this season because I, I felt like he, I, I, exp- I in particular expect more of him because I feel like he's capable of more. And some people don't think he's capable of being, a, you know, shooting over 40% from the field and the such. That's why I was disappointed because I felt, feel, I feel like he's capable of more and he can do more. Um, but I'd argue what he's doing, he's had a really good stretch of late. I'd argue what he's doing this year is better than what he's doing, what he did in his breakout year two years ago, because you just look at who's kind of around him. Um, you know, <laughs> that team two years ago had Paul Millsap, Jeff Teague, Al Horford, Kyle Corvery, a lot more guys to kind of plan for. Whereas when you look at the Hawks, it's Schroeder, it's Baysmore, it's Ilyasova. It's kind of, you know, it's, 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 there's, I think, more attention on him these days than a lot more attention than, say, two years ago. And he's been able to do pull up you could say almost similar numbers to that season and he's doing more as a facilitator and creator well, you know again that's up and down but uh, he's asked to do more this uh, obviously this year and I just think he's what he's been able to do of late has been has been pretty impressive yep it's been an encouraging uh, stretch especially for Kent I mean in season long wise as we said before it's his numbers are pretty good and uh, especially lately it's been quite good so uh, anything else you want to get out there Graham I know we've covered a lot on this pod and I appreciate it for sure but uh, hit on anything else that you want to and get tell people where they can find your stuff because you are absolutely killing out Peachtree Hoops oh, well thank you um, uh, do you have a minute to talk about Bembry I mean are we let's concerned yeah, are we no, concerned with Bembry because he's He's been struggling of late. You know, three point eight points the last five games, thirty six percent from the field, 0.8 assists, um, net rating minus nineteen, almost twenty. Have you been disappointed somewhat? I know he's been come back from a uh, wrist fracture and the such, but I thought maybe he might do. He might have done a bit more. Yeah, his offense is definitely disappointing. I will say that. I mean, I think defensively he's been quite good. And that is uh, worth talking about uh, and emphasizing because it is been it has been so good. I'm I should say, but offensively it's kind of a mess right now. And it has to be said as well. Like I'm all, I've been a big Bembry fan. I continue to be a big big Bembry fan, but Same. offensively, like he doesn't really bring a whole lot right now. Like he's kind of out of control at times. I still like what he can be as a sort of secondary, you know, guy with with good passing vision and creation ability. But when um, you know his jump shot is. Actually, kind of, if there's one bright spot, it's probably been his jumper that it's not completely unusable. You know, he's six of 18 from three. That's not great, but um, just some progress there is good. But yeah, I think um, he's kind of hurting the Hawks in a lot of ways offensively to the point where they have to play him to develop him, I would argue. But 
it's really rough in certain lineups when you don't have enough shooting around him because he just needs space and he needs to be able to, I think Tower Jones pointed this out on a couple of days ago on the podcast was that they just, he just kind of needs to almost do less offensively, just kind of be a defensive specialist at the moment that just kind of stays out of the way offensively fills in gaps. And I, I kind of like that for him right now. I mean, ultimately down the line, maybe he does more than that, but right now, you know, offensively doesn't bring too much to the table on, on a positive way. Yeah. It, it's weird. Could you, could you ever have imagined when, uh, the draft went down in 2016 that it would be Prince that would be the offensive guy and not not so much the defensive guy and Bembry the defensive guy. Oh, yeah, I mean, so I would have... This is weird. <laughs> it is weird. I mean, I, I thought Bembry might take a little bit because of his jump shot, but at the same time, yeah, Prince's, Prince's offense is way ahead of where I thought it would be. His defense is behind where I thought it'd be and uh, Bembry's defense is better than I thought it would be yeah. and he's a better <laughs> defender than Prince right now, which is kind of crazy to think about. For but sure. He is. Um, but offensively, just the gap is so wide that you know. Obviously, Prince is a far better player at this moment. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm a little bit surprised by both of those things, honestly. It's a weird, it's a weird occurrence. But hey, they're both fun to watch when they have a go, and that's for sure. Absolutely. Um, well, uh, yeah, I'm glad you, I'm glad you brought that up because you know I've, I've talked about him a little bit, but it's it's worth pointing out because I know there's a lot of Bembry fans that kind of are just, are just dug in and think that I'm too low on him now, and it's like no, I'm not trying to kill him, but. I just think the offense is a work in progress. He's struggled of late. That's kind of how it is. Like I, I love him as well. He's, I, I think he's got so much potential as that kind of second, you know, secondary, secondary uh, kind of ball handler and the such. And I think, yeah, he could be fantastic. But and we, I mean, again, we love him, but he's just struggling a bit right now. And that's just that's just where it is. Yep, absolutely. Well, uh, Graham, tell people where they can find you on Twitter, man, and uh, all your stuff that you are working on. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Ash Graham underscore Chapel. Um, if you can <laughs> figure out how to spell it properly, C H A P P L E is my last name. It will it, be I'll, in the uh, it'll be in the description as well if people won't have any trouble. <laughs> that will help because people, uh, ooh, you'd be surprised how many people get that wrong. And uh, you can find me on uh, PetriHoops.com where I uh, like to cover the games the morning after and kind of talk about nitty gritty of why they lost usually and hey like monday why they won yeah i mean uh your uh your breakdowns are uh, invaluable to uh, a lot of people so uh, i really appreciate your work my friend and that you came on the podcast thank you very much friend thank you for having me i'll uh, have you on again soon uh, as for everybody else the hawks will play again on wednesday evening so i'll be in the building for that and then i'll have a recap show to follow so uh, subscribe to the podcast do all that fun stuff and we'll see you guys then hey prime members You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.